On the show today, Rich and I discuss the fantastic fried foods of state fairs and the classic Negroni cocktail. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the October 10th, 2022 edition of Coffee and Koshan. So, Rich, I went to the uh, Texas OU football game this uh, last weekend, uh, which is always in Dallas, halfway between Norman and Austin. Um, it's a unique game because it is held at the Cotton Bowl Stadium in the middle of the Texas State Fair. They split the stadium 50-50. Uh, uh, the north side of the stadium is all OU seats. The south side of the stadium is all Texas seats. So when you're on one side of the stadium, you're playing a home game. When you're on the other side of the stadium, you're playing the worst away game of your life. And um, uh, it's a very unique environment. The emotion in that building is incredible um it's palpable um because there's a hundred thousand just rabid fans just just eager to um see what's going to go on and most of them are drunk um by the time the game starts um but what's great about it is that win or lose afterwards you get dumped out into the texas state fair which means there are rides there are games and for me that my favorite thing is there is wonderful fried food and um, as my waistline can attest, I love me some fried food. And uh, one of my favorite things, a, a quintessential Texas State Fair fried food is, of course, a corn dog, which is a hot dog uh, battered in a corn batter uh, and fried. And it's served to you on a stick, um, blistering hot, <laughs> which is great. Uh, you put a little mustard or, or uh, if you're weird, ketchup on it and um, enjoy yourself a corn dog. And I always get that every time I go. It's been a long time since I've been to the Texas OU game, to be honest. Um, it's a difficult drive to make in a lot of traffic, but I was really glad I went. I was glad I got a corn dog fix. Um, but afterwards, my brother and I were standing there, and you have to, of course, pay for everything with a pile of coupons that you you know get at like a, a kiosk. And we're standing there with this handful of coupons, and we're like, well, we, we might as well try some fried food. Um, so we did, and uh, we got ourselves uh, fried cheesecake, which is as incredible as it sounds. They essentially take a cheesecake, um, dip it in batter, and then fry that damn thing, and they cover it in whipped cream and uh, this berry sauce, this sweet berry sauce, and it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible, and it keeps all the cardiologists in this country in business, but it is, it is absolutely worth it because it is so damn good. But that sort of brings to mind the idea because it's that time of year where we have state fairs and, and state fairs often have crazy fried food, whether that's a corn dog or, or, or fried cheese stick or whatever. Um, the Texas State Fair tends to have crazy stuff. It's just that they, they do that every year. Um, yeah. I've had fried Oreos there before, which are really good. Um uh, I've had fried butter, uh, which was interesting. Um, the the big the award winners this year every year they give out awards to the the craziest fried foods include chicharron nachos, uh, which I did not see and I was trying to hunt down, but I could not find them because I wanted to try that. Um, a fried charcuterie board, which is as weird as it sounds. Uh, the wood is not included, thankfully. Um, and uh, the ultimate Brookie Monster, which is a, a Brookie a chocolate chip cookie thing, 
um, that is fried. Uh, but it, it sort of brings up the idea of just this sort of all these odd fried foods. And I wanted to see if there's, if there's a state fair food that is one of your favorites from your childhood or, or from adulthood when you take your kids. So we missed the most recent fair. Uh, we were driving past it one night. I had uh, my middle daughter, Scout, and youngest, Aoife, and we'd gone to soccer practice. And they really wanted to stop at the fair, but it was a school night and there was homework. And I, I was, you know, not a, a uh, overly generous father on that evening, which turned out well because there was a shooting that night, which is not a common oh, occurrence for where – we uh, live. It's just not one of those things you generally worry about in our part of Arkansas. But uh, I was a huge fan of state fairs growing up when they were just a much different thing. You know, you would go and win your, you know, roach clips and, you know, your little beer mirrors. Uh, uh, There was a uh, one, a buddy of mine had won a very colorful one for Bush beer that said, uh, let me let me clean this up just a little bit. It said, uh, screw the mountains, show me your bush. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, wow, that's something. But uh, like you, I uh, am a big fan of the uh, corn dogs, but also of funnel cake. Yes. Which oh, yeah. Is, you know, it's just... Y- y- taking fried dough basically and then covering it in powdered sugar just for a little bit extra, you know, because you want to make sure you've got some more carbs on there and then also some added calories because you're not getting enough from the fried, uh, fried dough. It's such a a treat. And one of those ones that goes back before the days when we learned to fry everything. Here's the thing though about funnel cake. What's so fascinating about it. It's literally just fried dough piped into a, uh, a a boiling vat of oil. I mean, there's there's not much to it. And then it's you know, what do you put on your your funnel cake? Do you have just the powdered sugar? Do you have some sort of fruit topping? Do you have chocolate drizzled on there? Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things you can do with it. Um, it's a great canvas to work with. But it's literally just dough that's fried. I mean, it's it's essentially a squiggly little donut. Um, but yes, it is a great fair food. I'm glad you brought that one up. I love. Funnel cakes. And I'm glad you brought donuts up because that is one, you know, in the age of, you know, again, everything being fried, there is something about when you find that stand at the, the fair or sometimes at a farmer's market where the you've got someone who is making batches of mini donuts oh, yeah. fresh and handing them to you when they're still hot, you know, and the sugar or whatever is there, the chocolate, whatever you get to go on and is melting off. It is just one of those simple culinary delights uh, that again, you know, makes cardiologists both cringe and, you know, <laughs> count their, <laughs> count their stacks of cash. But, it makes them I'm, cringe and thank us for their lake house all at the same time. <laughs> but, Another item that I go to that's not as, uh, you know, not super unique, but, and it's not always going to be at fairs, but, uh, I am a big fan of fried pickles. Oh yeah. And that's one that I have a hard time turning down wherever I see them offered. And I've even once had a burger where instead of the traditional dill pickle chips, it was fried dill pickle chips on top of it, which I strongly recommend. 
Ooh, I love that idea. Okay, so let me ask you this. There is a there is a battle in the fried pickle world. Um, do you like fried pickle chips or fried pickle spears? I'm a chip guy. I like pickle spears. I'm a big fan of pickles in general, but I like the ratio of breading to pickle that you get in the chip. And, uh, you know, you can eat it in one bite because the breading is going to fall apart when you go for a spear, which I don't like. And so I, I'm very much in the chip camp. What about you? No, I am too. Um, um, I have not had a burger with fried pickles on it, but now that idea is just not gonna be able to get out of my head until I try it. I love that idea. Um, oh yeah. Because you get like, you get the saltiness from the pickle, but the crispness from the fried pickle, that's like best of both worlds right there. Yes. And you might as well add some bacon on there while you're at it. Oh, well, of course, if you're having a burger, you might as well add some bacon on it. Um, ooh, God, I love that idea. Um, okay. So let me ask you this. Um, uh, is the fair in the, the Texas state fair obviously is, is a, a big deal. Uh, it's in Dallas every year that, uh, the Texas OU game is centered around it. The Minnesota state fair is very famous, um, because they have a lot of crazy fried foods as well. Um, the Iowa state fair every four years is very well attended because every politician and their fucking dog goes there if they're running for president. Um, are you someone who, uh, loved to do the state fair or loves to do the state fair now? So this is one of those things on which I've evolved once becoming a parent. As a kid, I loved the state fair. And as an adult, I like the idea of a fair and I would definitely attend the Texas state fair because it sounds like a fair done correctly. The last time I attended a fair, it was a whole lot of money for not a lot of return on investment. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> they do uh, tend to get expensive. We just, we don't do it uh, as well in Arkansas, at least in the part of Arkansas I'm in. Uh, it's more going to be your, uh, you know, your rides of dubious safety. Like, you know, there are regulations and things like that, but at the same time, you know, anything that's being broken down and transported and then set up in a hurry by, you know, carnies. Uh, and most of my knowledge of carnies comes from the Simpsons, so I don't have a necessarily <laughs> positive view of them. Uh, it, you know, it's I'm a, I'm a roller coaster guy and things like that, but it, it gets a little bit it hits a little different for me, differently for me when we're talking about that, uh, that setup. So. You know, that's, I love where I live, but we don't have the good fare. And, and I'm guessing you also, because of the fried nature and because you're in Texas, there has to be some sort of like fried brisket or there has to be something in there around barbecue. Yeah. So there is, um, a lot of the fried dishes at the state fair, not a lot this year. There was that, um, uh, that, that nacho dish, not, not a lot of the, items this year included that but some years a lot of the items are very uh barbecue focused um but uh you know the other thing is you don't want to do too much to really good barbecue because it's really damn good and we have a lot of good barbecue here and sometimes people don't want to mess with it too much because then you kind of feel bad about it 
Yeah, I didn't think about that. Backing <laughs> up. Um, okay, so Rich, uh, Monday is Columbus Day, and I will not hear any of this crap about it being Indigenous Peoples Day. It is Columbus Day. Thank you very much. Um, had he not stumbled upon America, we'd all be living in countries with socialized medicine and uh, very high tax rates. So uh, thank you, Christopher Columbus. Um, as part of that, I wanted to highlight a uh, an Italian cocktail, a very famous Italian cocktail, the Negroni. Um, I love Negronis. Negronis are one of my favorite cocktails. Uh, I try to keep all the ingredients in my bar. I, I don't always, I'm not always successful at doing that. Um, but uh, I love Negronis. I love taking twists on Negronis and finding new ways to do it. Um, but a classic Negroni is one of those perfect cocktails. And uh, I wanted us to highlight that tonight because that's just one of these cocktails that that I just love. I mean, I, this, this is just one of those classics, right, Rich? Yes, it is a classic. Uh, according to legend, uh, what, let me let me find this real quickly. I looked it up and then my brain stopped working. But uh, the Negroni was created by a man uh, in Italy and uh, named Negroni who wanted to... Uh, he wanted to tweak an existing drink and make it stronger. And so he had the gin added. It's a, it's a one, one, one cocktail, meaning equal parts, gin, sweet vermouth and Campari, which is a bitter liqueur. And you uh, put all the ingredients in a glass and stir it with ice real well, and then strain that into a cocktail glass over a large ice cube and if you have it, I did not for this episode, you'll garnish with an orange peel. But it's a very refreshing and refreshingly bitter cocktail. It, uh, the Campari, which is, I, I know some people will, you know, just drink it with soda. It's not something I would ever go to. I keep it around for this and a, a Boulevardier. Bouillardier, I'm terrible at pronunciation. And uh, it's one that you should definitely try. And uh, especially for Columbus Day, for many of us, we're kind of on the cusp of fall where it's a little hot, it's a little cool. You could sit on your patio and have one. So in honor of Columbus, uh, saving us from socialized medicine for a while. You're almost there. <laughs> yeah, for a while. Uh, everyone should have a, a, a Negroni tomorrow. So let me ask you this. Um, uh, a few years ago, I uh, participated in this Negroni, um, this Negroni competition thing where you, uh, and this is as bad as it sounds, you uh, go around town and you have a Negroni at all these bars that are part of it. And if you are the one who has the most Negronis at all these places, uh, you win. And, um, and I won. Um, <laughs> and I got like all this free liquor and a t-shirt. I got like two t-shirts and I got tickets to the, um, Austin food and wine festival and, uh, uh, all because I drank a lot of liquor. <laughs> so, so how many was the winning number? Uh, to be honest, I don't remember. <laughs> it was a lot, <laughs> but, um, Go big and go home. Right. Go big or go home. And I went big. 
Um, but it was a lot of fun. And what was great about what's great about the Negroni, as you mentioned, it's a one one one, right? Um, equal parts gin, Campari, vermouth. But there's a lot you can do to play with it. Um, you can add um, you can add like some maple syrup and get a little bit of sweet kind of smoky flavor. You can um, swap out the Campari for an Aperol. You can put some smoke on it to give it, uh, you know, a, a different flavor. There's a lot you can do. And what was fun about this this uh, thing that they held in town here is that um, you could sort of taste all the different ways you could do this drink. And I, I just love that because this is one of those this is one of those standard drinks that every that every bartender knows how to make. You have to know how to make this drink, um, but it's also a great drink to play with um, and you can apply all your creativity as a bartender to come up with your version of a Negroni, what, whatever, however you want to do it. And I think that's what's so cool about this drink. And that's, what's great about a lot of the cocktails we discuss is you can adjust proportions, you know, bone appetite for a Negroni suggests going, uh, adjusting the ratio a bit and going one and a half ounces of gin to, uh, one, uh, ounce of vermouth and then only three quarters of an ounce of Campari to lessen the bitterness as you were talking. And, you know, I've got this Dubonnet around thanks to last week's right. episode. I'm like, and I've got some Aperol from making uh, the spaghetti this summer with the high life. So I'm like, you know, maybe I'll try this with gin Dubonnet and Aperol and see what happens. See, that's exactly right. That could be the, the, the rich, com the, 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 the rich Negroni or whatever we want to call it. I mean, come up with something. <laughs> um, but uh, I think that's what's great about this drink. It is a fantastic drink to know and to enjoy. And if you like a, uh, if you like your coffee black in the morning, you like that sort of bitter flavor, okay, um, you're going to find a lot in this drink that you enjoy. Um, however, there are ways you can, you can put a twist on this, whether it's swapping out the uh, orange peel for some lemon or... Uh, you know, as we talked, swapping out the Campari for some Aperol or whatever. Um, there are a lot of great ways you can play with this drink. And that's what I think makes it just just one of my favorites. It's 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 a classic by itself, but it's and, a great drink to play with as well. And also, this is one I have become a, a, not become obsessed, but and I've yet to make one. But Garden and Gun on their Instagram channel has been doing a lot of freezer door cocktails. No, Milk Street. Sorry, Milk Street. It's Milk Street, yes. And they've been doing a lot of freezer door cocktails where you can mix up various cocktails and just have them in your freezer door ready to go. And this is one that lends itself very well to that yes. because there's no water in it. Now, in making a freezer door cocktail, you would add some water to replicate the dilution you would get from stirring it. But this is one you could just have ready to go. Uh, a friend uh, named Neil, who wrote for The Federalist at one time many years ago, uh, the Negroni was one of his go-to flask cocktails for when he was going to an event. So if you were somewhere with Neil, uh, most <laughs> likely he had a Negroni in the pocket of his jacket. And since it's a football season, if you want to slip yourself a Negroni into a football game, it will make it even better. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. So you've had fried food and some alcohol to, to wash it all down all in one time. Uh, thanks, Rich. Always a pleasure. Hey, thank you, Brad.